The Old Testament reading is from the book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, selected verses. All the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and, and those who could understand. And the ears of all people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to, your, to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from the 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at the 12th verse. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. 
And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. We stand now as we join in song with the Alleluia. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote this quote to me, this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. What we have What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So today, as we hear these words of Scripture, three very unique sections of Scripture from Nehemiah, from 1 Corinthians, and then from the Gospel. And yet, all three of them hit to points that are probably close to home in our lives. Today, I'd like us to focus back on Nehemiah, because after all, how often do we get to hear from that wonderful book, right? The book of Nehemiah. And as we get into that, it's probably good for us to remember that we are still in the month of January, right? And our year, many times, for us, starts out with many promises, right? Promises that we make to ourselves about what we're going to get right this year, right? Those corrective actions that we're going to start to do better about. And already, right about now, we may be starting to see how those promises we made are turning out. But as we go through the process of creating our promises and our resolutions, in order for us to look forward uh, with what we want to be different, we first have to do one thing. We got to stop and think about where we've been. How have things been in the past? What needs to be different? And today in the book of Nehemiah, Israel is returning, rebuilding, reorganizing. And they have to remember how things were and that they cannot be the same. You see, in order for things to be different, they start with what will make that change. They start as God's people with his very word to them. You see, this is so much more than God's people making a New Year's resolution. The Jews have gone through their exile. They've gone through the trauma of their decisions and the consequences of their past. And they're ready as they gather for the feast to hear the very gift of God that is the law of Moses. Perhaps they remember the words of our psalm for the day, that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Just in case you want to look that up later, that's Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8. And so as God's people begin their resettlement and rebuilding, we see the power of God displayed. And likewise, you and I, as we gather today, as we hear God's word, and as we respond to that word, we see the power of the word of God in Jesus our Lord. So let's set the stage here for a moment, right? The people of Israel, because of the consequences of their sin, God allowed a foreign enemy to come and take them away from the promised land, away from that area, and held them off into captivity for a long period of time. Their towns, their cities, even the temple of God was ransacked and torn down. The walls of the city of Jerusalem were beaten down. There was no more than just rubble where their magnificent city used to dwell. 
And so now, as they are freed from that captivity, and as they return back to the land that God had given them, to start anew, to start afresh. Somehow, for you and I, I think maybe we can understand a little bit about what those people of Israel felt. After all, we've had a couple years now where we have been doing things differently, right? Something has intervened and stopped us and held us up from doing what we used to always do. Therefore, while we didn't even have church in person but went completely virtual, and then for a while we started meeting in person but never sang a word. We spoke all the hymns. And then after a while we started singing a hymn or two. And all while being masked up, being six feet from each other, not wanting to touch a pencil or a pen that someone else had touched. Talk about being estranged from one another. Estranged from the community that we are together. And now as we have started to return, to rebuild, and to restore what God has given to us, it's good for us to remember too, to remember the words of the Lord, the words of the Lord that we see power in, that power of God's word that brings us together, that holds us together and makes us one. And so we know that God's word powerfully gathers his people. As people gather together in their places, the, the people of Israel back in that day of Nehemiah, they asked of their priest, Ezra, that the law of Moses be read out loud to them. Now remember, they'd been in captivity so long, they'd never had really a formal worship time anymore. So they wanted to be refreshed. They wanted to remember again what they had been told about this. And so Ezra and his company, they read the law of Moses out loud to them. And, you know, as these people are gathered together, they're not just individuals, as we might commonly think of ourselves, but they also are representing one person. As the word is about to be read, the people in response stand together and prepare to hear. Now just imagine, folks, okay, you and I, so excited to be back where we're supposed to be, back in the space that we love, back with the people that we love. We're all together, and we're coming together under God's word, and then they invite you, you know, the, the speaker, the priest, to come in and read to them Genesis through, well, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those five books of the law of Moses. Now, we know that there are many chapters in those books, right? And what do the people do? They stand as they hear the word of God. Can you imagine how long that took? And they remain standing. And how often do we complain if we have to stand more than five minutes? Okay. But here the people of God were brought together, energized and strengthened to hear God's word. And as they heard it, it had worked in their hearts and in their minds. You know, 
They were so excited they wanted to stand. Kind of think of it as, well, the greatest bowl game of all where all the plays seem to have significance and everybody in the stand is standing up. That's what it was like for the people of God. That wondrous, that powerful, that exciting. And they were gathering and they were receiving God's law as a gift. And it was their starting place. For them, they remembered the times and places of their exile when they couldn't hear the word. But now they're excited to get to see it, to hear it, and to experience it all together. What a remarkable comparison that is for you and I to our worship time together, right? As we hear the words of our Lord Jesus, what do we do for the gospel? We stand, right? Because we want to hear, we're excited to hear what our Lord has said for us. And as we are the God's people marked with his cross, and we are gathered together into one body as the baptized children of God, and we hear that word of God and raise our voices in what? One confession. We did that a little bit ago. We heard the words of Jesus, and what did we do? We confessed our faith using words of the creed from ancient times. And upon hearing that word of God, we rise to our feet, not just out of respect, but also knowing that the word itself gives us life, forgiveness, and salvation. Because it gives us Christ. It gives us the very Lord Jesus, for our lives. The word of God delivers. And that's what the people of Israel in that time under Ezra responded to, was the presence of God among his people as the word of God was read. And now notice that the people of God were read to, probably not in a monotone voice, but excitedly and proclaimed to, and as they were instructed, and they understood the word. Now that's a mighty power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's one thing to speak the word, it's another thing for have that word kind of take rest between these two ears of ours, for us to understand, to be tuned in. And yet, that's what God did. The people were gathered and now they hear the words as they're delivered. And the leaders and teachers were, were faithful to their calling to proclaim and teach the word of God in a way that could be understood so that they could tune in to the points that God was making. And what the people hear, their hearts and minds receive and believe. Sounds sort of like worship again, doesn't it? where God comes close to us, bearing his gifts, and he grants those gifts to all who hear his word. And again, that whole experience of Nehemiah chapter 8 relates back to our appointed psalm. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19. You know, maybe we should 
pay attention to the Psalms a little bit, huh? And when we think of the prayer that we inwardly digest the word, or perhaps even the word, Lord God, bless your word wherever it is proclaimed, make it a word of power and peace to convert those not yet your own and to confirm those who have come to saving faith. And so the word of God powerfully gathered his people together. The word of God opens their ears and their hearts. And now the word of God powerfully moves its hearers to respond in repentance and in joy. You see, Ezra and Nehemiah have a bit of a situation on their hands. As the people hear the word, they respond in tears and are visibly, physically moved. The law as it's spoken brings a conviction of sin to their hearts. And we know that God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it seems to have pierced to their very souls. Ezra and Nehemiah and all who are teaching call for the weeping to cease, for this is a day for the Lord. They send the people off to go and celebrate, and they even provide for those who aren't even prepared, because this is going to be a day of joy. You see, the people are given direction, right? And blessing to go in the strength and joy of the Lord. They're to turn their hearts to God and find their joy in him. And they should be filled with celebration. Just like David, who, remember, danced by the Ark of the Covenant. And so for you and I, our time together, brought by God's word, brings us to repentance. We hear in God's word, in the readings, his law, that we have much of which to repent because we don't look like what we ought to look like. We don't do always the things that we know the Lord would have us do, and we certainly don't think right many times. But yet, here we are gathered together one family that our hearts might be turned to the Lord in joy because we have heard the good news. We have heard the gospel message, the Savior to which Ezra and Nehemiah and all their look, people look forward to, that that Savior has died for our sins. He's the one who nailed them to the cross, and he is the one who offers forgiveness as proof in his resurrection. So you and I, we receive the benefits of God's word. We know of the word made flesh and dwelt among us. We know of the God who loves his people so much that he gathers us, gifts us, reminds us, renews us, and refreshes us. Things may not still be the same as they once were, but yet, God is still here, isn't he? That one fact has not changed. God's word continues to be proclaimed. God's word is still heard by God's people. And it makes a difference. Because God's people, their hearts are turned to repentance 
and then to joy. You know, many times when we go to the doctor and we have messed up, maybe we have a long scratch on our arm and we know that it's going to need some attention because it hurts us, right? Maybe it's getting puffy and oozing some things, not to make it too horrible for you. But just imagine the scar on your arm and you take it to someone who knows what to do. And typically, they'll look at you and say, it needs some work. This is going to hurt for a minute. And then you get sewn up, the stitches put in, and then healing starts taking place. You and I, as people who are repentant, we know of the pain that comes before the joy. But yet, God does bring joy after the pain. The people of God in Nehemiah's time, still standing in the shadow of their demolished temple and their city, they gather and worship God because he is where he has promised to be in the midst of his people. He has led them through captivity to the other side. And that's what you and I look forward to as well. You and I, we receive the benefits of God's word. We know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That there was a time when the word meant for us to be weeping and in tears. But now we live in the life of Jesus. And the word for you this day is, your sins are forgiven. Receive my blessing. Now, our mistake today would be to consider Nehemiah chapter 8 just for this Sunday. But it really is valid for every Sunday, isn't it? It's our gathering together, our hearing, the ever-moving and ever-sustaining Word of God and having our hearts turned to His eternal joy. Nehemiah 8 is not just the start of our year or the time for our our resolutions but it's also for the weekly, even daily, return to God's word with our brothers and sisters so that we can be renewed in life and revived by God's forgiveness. Can we see how wondrous it is that God continues to come to us? How great it is for God's people to receive his word so much so that our hearts swell, and so much so that our joy is made manifest in Jesus. Today, may we see in Jesus our help, our hope, the one who bore our sins, and the one who says, Father, forgive them, and your sins are forgiven. People of God, rejoice for the Lord and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.